Hey y'all, this is John Lawrence coming to you with the first episode of the new decade. This year from the head of the bed turns five years old. The idea to create this podcast came to me a year or two before we launched the show, probably back around 2013 or so. At the time, I was trying to figure out what to do a graduate project on for school, and I wanted to do something that was interesting and helpful for other people that was related to anesthesia education. Now, sometimes I think that you got to ask yourself not whether an idea is crazy, but is it crazy enough? You know what I'm saying? Because we only have one shot at what we're doing here. And most people, when they reflect back on their lives, they wish that they'd risked more, that they put more on the line, had done things and pursued dreams that perhaps were always right there, but for whatever reason, they didn't take up. So I was stoked in grad school to find a few of my classmates agreed that creating our own educational podcast for other anesthesia providers was crazy enough of an idea to jump into. And uh, luckily, our program director agreed to greenlight the project. So as far as we could tell at the time, From the Head of the Bed would be the first podcast coming out of the nurse anesthesia community specifically. And one of the only ones that uh, was active, which focused specifically on anesthesia. We wanted to create the podcast that we wished we had in grad school. So when we started grad school, really the only relevant content that was out there was focused on critical care and emergency medicine. But we wanted to create something that was tailored to anesthesia providers, something that would help us become better CRNAs during our training as SRNAs. And hopefully to create something that would be relevant and interesting to practicing CRNAs as well. Now, while the other co-founders dropped off the show after graduate school, that simple mission is still something that fuels my interest in continuing this podcast into the next decade. I hope that it continues to grow. I hope that I keep it interesting for you and that I keep intersecting with other providers who have stories to tell and to bring you. I hope that we keep it relevant and fun to listen to. I hope the information that you find here helps your practice. Uh, As much as doing the show has improved my own practice in terms of taking some deep dives into the content that we put out. I hope that the podcast doesn't suck and that if it ever does, that y'all let me know. Um, I actually recorded this episode on January 1st this year. I thought it would be clever and timely, you know, new podcast coming out on the first day of the year and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I didn't publish it because I, frankly, I thought that it sucked. I thought that it fell flat. I felt like I was uh, reading to you, which pretty much I am. Uh, but you know, you don't want something to sound like you're reading to somebody, you know, because that just doesn't sound very interesting. So the show just wasn't where I wanted it to be. And so it went back on the burner to simmer a little bit longer, uh, to marinate a little bit more. But at some point, as with many things in your life, at, at some point in time, you just got to get your work out there. You got to hit send or publish your content, tell your story. You got to swing the bat and see how well you hit the ball, which brings me to the point of this episode, Uh, the first one of a new year and the first one of a new decade. I wanted to take the opportunity at the start of 2020 to do a show about setting a trajectory in your life and in your career that you can be stoked about. Sometimes it's helpful to pause and take a look around, you know, lift your head up out of the daily grind and evaluate where you're headed, and if you're on the path that you want to be on, if you're on a path that you can be stoked about. And in this episode, I've pulled together some thoughts and perspectives from psychologists and authors and a couple of explorers that I go back to again and again to help triangulate where I am and where I'm headed. 
I hope that these perspectives are helpful for you as well. Maybe by this point in January, this is uh, coming out at the end of the month now, you may have abandoned your New Year's resolutions and are back in your old routines, which is, you know, it's fine, it's whatever. Uh, Maybe you're like me and you didn't set any New Year's resolutions. Regardless if you set a New Year's resolution for this year or not, let's just agree that it is crazy that it's 2020. I mean, like, when did that happen? We are in the future, y'all. Remember Y2K? The, like the turn of the century, year 2000, that was like the cutting edge future back when it happened. The turn of the century, year 2000. It was an unknown cliff edge for pretty much the industrialized world. You know, people were freaking out. Will the computers uh, stop working? Will all the clocks reset to zero and airplanes fall out of the sky and our bank accounts disappear? Uh, we had no idea what was going to go on. And Y2K was 20 years ago. The iPhone hadn't even come out yet. Back then, I could not have even imagined what I would be doing in 2020. Certainly not recording a podcast for other anesthesia providers. But here we are. It's January of 2020, the start of a new decade. And perhaps, like many of you, and maybe because I'm older now and the years seem to be going by faster, I have been thinking a fair bit about what will the next 10 years look like? Where will we be in 10 years? What's life going to look like in 2030? While I don't always set New Year's resolutions, I am a huge fan of thinking about the trajectory of your life and where you want to go because you rarely hit what you don't aim for. Now, January is a pretty good time to look back and it's a good time to look forward. It's conventionally thought that the month of January is named after Janus, the ancient Roman god of beginnings and transitions. Janus is typically depicted as having two heads, one for looking back and one for looking forward. I think that January at the start of a new decade is a particularly good time to take a look back and to take a look forward. Think about where you were 10 years ago in 2010. I was working as a critical care registered nurse in a medical surgical ICU in Asheville, North Carolina. I was laying the foundation to apply to graduate school in anesthesia. I had decided probably four years before that, back in 2006 or so, to switch careers from working full-time as an outdoor educator to then enter healthcare and work on becoming a CRNA. The whole process for me from deciding to go to anesthesia school all the way through to passing boards as a CRNA took around nine years of school and clinical training. While the process was amazing in many ways, I learned so much during those years that influenced who I am and how I practice anesthesia today. It was also super tedious. Uh, As one of my anesthesia professors used to say to us when we were SRNAs, at times, it's going to feel like you're Daniel LaRusso at the start of the karate kid. You want so desperately to learn karate, but you find yourself out painting a fence or waxing a car because Mr. Miyagi told you to. You're doing stuff that has seemingly no correlation to what you really want to be doing. You know, you're putting in the time, uh, studying, turning pages in a textbook, doing math calculations, figuring out physics and pharmacology and pathophysiology and all that kind of stuff. But that experience, that training, that's the foundation that will enable you to be proficient as an anesthesia provider. And then suddenly you find yourself doing the perioperative equivalent of a roundhouse kick. You're suddenly able 
to intubate a patient under extreme urgency and pressure. You're able to perform in those high stakes moments with proficiency. You're able to do stuff like get the A-line in an artery that barely has a pulse on the only arm available to put one in because the patient's in distress and the case has to get started right now. You know, you're able to pick up the subtle signs that your patient needs a change to their anesthetic and you make those changes before anyone else in the room notices and you're able to keep the patient sailing smooth uh, through the surgical procedure. So I want to tell you a little bit about my friend Kyle to bring you to this next point. So he and I have known each other for over 20 years. Yes, since before Y2K. Kyle is the person who told me about anesthesia. He's been a CRNA for a long time and has grown a very successful anesthesia business that staffs hospitals and surgery centers nationwide. Way back in the day, probably while I was still in high school and before either of us were thinking about anesthesia school, he told me something that I've never forgotten. He was talking about setting a trajectory for your life, and he said, you don't just wake up one day rich, fit, and happy. Now, being rich, fit, and happy isn't the point. Those three things are not like the highest aim in life or the quintessential goal that everyone should shoot for. You might care less about being financially free, in good shape, and happy, and that's totally your prerogative. Kyle's point was that you rarely hit what you don't aim for. You don't just wake up one day and realize that you've hit your goals, right? You have to imagine the life that you want, then back up and figure out how to get there, and then do the work. The image of a major league baseball player is something that brings me back to this idea over and over again. I don't really follow baseball uh, closely, but I do know that hitting a home run in the majors is kind of a big deal, and that baseball players don't wait for the majors to hit home runs. Think about how many times a major league baseball player has swung the bat in his career. How many times they've actually hit home runs in practice. It's all just practice. It's just laying the foundation day by day. Another day of laying the groundwork, honing their technique, staying focused on their goal, getting ready for the moments when they count. You and I can take a similar approach to our work and our lives. Think about where do you want to go? Where do you want to end up one day? You might not really be able to articulate those things with clarity and specificity right now, but you can swing the bat. You can swing for the fences where you are right now. In all the little things, in the projects that are right in front of you, you can put in the time, you can hone your technique, you can lay the foundation, and keep swinging the bat. You can look for those opportunities that will help you grow as a clinician and a professional. You're not necessarily going to hit a home run every time. You might put something out there and think it went terribly. And who knows, maybe it did. But you keep practicing. You keep swinging and getting better. You keep putting in the time and doing the work. Practicing deliberately and incrementally. Hitting home runs when no one is watching will prepare you to hit them when they count. As author Erwin McManus has said, excellence builds platforms. The more you develop your craft, the better your art will be. Whether that's your anesthesia practice or another personal goal or dream or endeavor. And this brings me to the concept of seed, time, and harvest. 
author and communicator Louis Giglio gave a talk years ago that reminded listeners that in today's age of being able to get fresh apples, avocados, oranges, you know, fruit and vegetables every day of the year at your local grocery store, even when it's 10 degrees outside and there's a couple feet of snow on the ground like there is in Maine right now, this has led us to fall out of sync with the agricultural cycle, right? Food is grown somewhere else, maybe even in a greenhouse, and it gets shipped to us, and we just kind of have this idea that it's always available, right? You just like you just go to the store and you get your groceries and produce and stuff. You know, people back before the the days of like twenty four hour grocery stores, you had to think about seasons. You had to reckon with the fact that food comes from seeds, and you got to put the seeds in the ground and then take care of them to tend to them. And most importantly, to wait because it takes time. Then the harvest comes. So seed, time, and harvest. You can't get the really important things in your life with two-day free shipping off of Amazon, right? You have to dream up the dream. You got to set the goal and then plant those seeds, you got to tend to the goal. You got to put the time in. You got to take the necessary steps and create the conditions for those goals to come to fruition. And sometimes you got to wait. You got to give it time. You got to put the time in, right? You got to tend to the garden or the ground or the seeds or the plants or whatever it might be. Then the harvest comes at a later point. Modern day poet and rapper G Easy puts it another way in his song. Me, myself, and I. He goes, this shit ain't random. I didn't get lucky. And naturally, g Easy would bring me to Anders Ericsson, Carol Dweck, and Ray Dalio. So Anders Ericsson is one of the most influential psychologists in researching and understanding expertise in human development. His research is what Malcolm Gladwell took when he popularized the idea of the 10,000-hour rule of expertise Erickson's work shows us that it takes more than just 10,000 hours of doing something to develop true craft and true excellence. The magical yet simple ingredient is something that he calls deliberate practice. This is the idea of identifying a goal and then breaking the steps down that are necessary to achieve that goal, to build a mental representation of what it will take and what it will look like to work on and achieve that goal. How will you be when you've attained the goal that you're working towards? And then you got to step back and then work on developing each step, each skill and technique that are part of that overall goal. Deliberate practice is generally hard work and the process works best if you can find a coach who can give you feedback on where you still need to develop and improve. Now, this really is what clinical training programs should be centered around. Anesthesia learners taking ownership of their training, focusing on a process of deliberate practice to improve their knowledge and skills with the constant supportive feedback from preceptors and clinical coaches. This is how humans learn. This is how regular people develop into expert clinicians. You're not born as a talented physician or CRNA or surgeon. You're not born as an expert lecturer or anesthesia professor or speaker on some topic. Those things take time. They take substantial time and deliberate practice to get good at. 
A favorite quote of mine from Erickson is this, most professionals reach a stable average level of performance within a relatively short time frame and maintain this mediocre status for the rest of their careers. What he's saying is that many clinicians learn enough to get by and then they stay at that level of average competence for the rest of their careers. Graduating from a residency or anesthesia school and passing boards is not really the finish line, even though that marks the achievement of an incredible goal. It's actually the starting line on your career as an anesthesia provider. Where you take it from there will be up to you. One of the remarkable things about what Erickson shows us is that the truly great among us, whether they're athletes or musicians, medical providers or chess players, they're not born with some sort of innate talent that makes them special and exceptional, but that their craft was built over substantial amount of time and deliberate practice. Erickson's work opens the door for us to think about achieving our goals and redefining what was possible. And then Carol Dweck's work invites you to step through that door with a fresh mindset, one that will truly enable you to achieve your goals. And she calls this a growth mindset. Dweck is a psychologist at Stanford University and has spent her career researching motivation, personality, social and developmental psychology. Her work unveils that most of us operate from one of two mindsets when it comes to understanding human intelligence, a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. The fixed mindset tells you that you have a certain level of intelligence that you were born with and that you can't really change that. You know, you're only so smart. You're only so capable. So you better protect what you have. Right? So people who operate from a fixed mindset see challenges as threats to their intelligence or how other people might perceive their intelligence. So they shy away from challenges, they shy away from chances and opportunities where they may fail or look stupid. If you think you're only so smart or so capable, putting in the extra effort usually won't be seen as being worthwhile because it's not going to change anything after all, right? The success of others is also usually seen as threatening because if someone else excels, that means that they win and that you lose, right? They must be exceptional. They must be better than you innately, uh, which only leads you to think worse of yourself. It's really like a scarcity paradigm where you're in a constant state of comparison to see how you measure up with your fixed level of aptitude against your colleagues and other individuals. Someone will be better than another person, and that's just the way that it is. Operating from a fixed mindset usually results in people plateauing in their work early, as Erickson pointed out, and not achieving their full potential. On the other hand, choosing to operate from a growth mindset liberates you to realize that intelligence is not a fixed trait, but it's something that can literally grow and change over time. Dweck's work unpacks the research and science behind this idea. People who operate from a growth mindset tend to embrace challenges and see failure as an opportunity to learn and grow. Putting in effort is simply part of the path to developing mastery. Folks who choose to embrace a growth mindset recognize that they haven't learned everything, but they can continue to learn anything that they put their minds to. 
Constructive criticism is taken to heart and is used as motivation to identify weaknesses in areas that can be improved upon. The success of others serves as sources of motivation and inspiration with folks operating in a growth mindset because everyone and anyone can excel and potentially has something valuable to offer. Embracing a growth mindset opens the doors to a lifetime of learning, growth, and achievement. So where does all of this leave us? This podcast isn't so much about helping you set a specific goal for 2020, or really even about figuring out where you want to be in 10 years. But it is an invitation to ask those questions and hopefully to pick up some tools that will help you move more deliberately in the direction that you want to go to really set that trajectory that's inspiring and that you can get stoked about. Erickson shows us that through deliberate practice over time, we can develop and achieve true expertise in nearly any domain. And then Dweck liberates us from one of the fundamental lies that our education system tells us growing up, that you're only so smart and you only have so much potential. You know, if you're an average academic performer, maybe you're not that smart and you should probably stop trying. However, if you easily excelled in school, maybe you're supposed to be good at everything and then you're surprised and frustrated when you actually have to work hard for something that's truly worth pursuing. In the worst case outcome, you may either not shoot for your goals or you may quit before you really get going. With a growth mindset, your intelligence, capacity, and potential are up for you to develop, grow, and utilize to live the life that you want. Remember that big dreams are worth pursuing, and it takes planting the seed, giving things time to grow, and then the harvest comes. With your goals, you simply have to decide if the juice is worth the squeeze if the reward of what you're shooting for is worth the effort that you have to put in to achieve it. As author and philosopher Albert Hubbard put it, dreams can come true, but there is a secret. They're realized through the magic of persistence, determination, commitment, passion, practice, focus, and hard work. They happen a step at a time, manifested over years, not weeks. Your dreams and goals are for you to create and develop. Anesthesia school may yet be, or perhaps was, one of your big goals. You may be preparing for school as an ICU nurse, or maybe you're in an anesthesia program right now as an SRNA. Maybe you're a CRNA or another anesthesia provider, and you're looking forward to what's next after school. What should you invest your time in? What should you invest your income in? to create the life that you've imagined. Ray Dalio has been incredibly successful in business and investing. He grew one of the world's largest investment firms, Bridgewater Associates. In his book on work and life principles, cleverly titled Principles, he writes many amazing things, two of which I will leave you with today. He says, remember that what has already happened lies in the past and no longer matters except as a lesson for the future. And he also writes, it seems to me if you look back on yourself a year ago, 
and aren't shocked by how stupid you were, you haven't learned much. Now, I'm not saying that we were all stupid last year by sharing that quote with you, but it serves to remind us that we can always grow, that where we are today does not have to be where we are next year or the year after that. We should continue to dig, continue to tend to the seeds, and continue to swing the bat. I've got two last quotes to leave you with. Jeremy Jones is one of the pioneers of big mountain snowboarding. His desire to access and ride incredibly remote and challenging backcountry lines inspired the development of his company, Jones Snowboards, and the equipment that they produce for other riders. In an Ode to Progression posted on their website, he writes, Is the time and money spent on development worth it? The question is never asked. The price of not shooting for the stars is too high. Come on, that's some good stuff. All right, one more. Dave Kalama has been central to progressing the sport of big wave surfing and stand-up paddleboarding. He and Laird Hamilton were some of the first surfers to figure out that you could ride bigger and bigger waves if you used a jet ski to tow you in. The vibe and stoke that the ocean grants you after spending the better part of your life in it comes through clear as Kalama brings us back to the bottom line. He says, If you're having fun, you're enjoying life. And we're not here for a long time, so we better have a good time. All right, y'all. Welcome to 2020. It's a new year and a new decade. I hope that it's an amazing year for you. Thanks for listening, and keep swinging the bat.